Greetings, Sci-Fi Universe. Owen Cotter here. Join me, your host, as we discuss all things geek chic and out of this world on Sci-Fiction Radio, your galactic transmission portal to all things science fiction and beyond. Welcome to Sci-Fiction Radio. On today's show, we have director and producer Vincent Tram. Let's wait while he joins the show shortly. Vincent, you there? Yes, I am. Welcome to the show, buddy. How's it going, man? It's really good. I'm uh, loving the California weather. We just got back from Phoenix, Arizona, so the weather difference is vastly, like, just, it's just crazy better here. So I'm just enjoying myself right now. But, yeah, taking it easy. How about you? Doing the same, man. I hear you, man. It's great weather out here in Cali. I'll tell you what, man. Well, yeah, let's definitely. get started. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's like hot and sunny. It's nice, man. I agree with you on that. Let's get started. Now, for the listeners, can you introduce yourself and tell us what it is you do exactly? Yeah. Um, my name is Vincent Tran. Uh, I'm the director of a film that just came out called The Girl of Steel. It's a transformative fan film based on the Supergirl franchise of DC Comics. Uh, basically, we wanted to make a story about female empowerment and somehow, you know, creating better female role models in cinema nowadays since uh, Hollywood doesn't tend to portray that in the best way uh, lately. Um, so this is an attempt to revive that series and uh, hopefully, you know, get people back and interested in the whole genre of uh, female action heroes, female leaders, so forth, so on. Very interesting. Very cool. Well, let's talk about the film. Now, your film's about Supergirl. What are the specific reasons for choosing that kind of the character to base the film on rather than others, exactly? Actually, I've been asked that quite a few times, and, um, you know, I will probably just give, a, like, a better answer now, but, like, Supergirl, you know, hasn't been made in a while. You know, it's been doing well in comic books, but, you know, whenever they make a movie about her, say, like, you know, in the neat, uh, like, I think it was 1985, when Helen Slater was uh, the actress of the original Supergirl, um, right. you know, it didn't get as many great, you know, reviews that it expected to have, um, just because, like, you know, Superman did so well in the box office that they thought, you know, maybe Supergirl would do better. But, you know, because of, like, they based the film off of the story, they based it off of, like, how much money it made or how much money it didn't make in the box office, it was uh, criticized as one of the worst films, you know, in superheroine history. And uh, I found that kind of appalling because, you know, even though I didn't, like, I'm not a huge fan of, like, you know, comics, um, I am a huge fan of, like, you know, female authors who talk about, you know, love, empowerment, strength within another, and um, I thought, you know, there's a missing element in Supergirl that I don't think people have portrayed in the right way. Uh, also, you know, The Man of Steel that Zack Snyder had directed recently was very transformative and um, had shifted how Superman was portrayed. And I thought, you know, that should be welcomed for Supergirl in a way because she, she's like, you know, a person that's been disliked, but, you know, she's always had a cult following uh, behind the behind the scenes. And so... I wanted to give the fans a chance to love her again. and But not just to only love her, but like to see that, you know, there's also a Supergirl within every young woman uh, around the world because I fear that, you know, domestic violence is still, you know, around our culture in every country. And I feel like even today, like, women have been taken advantage of by men 
in terms of like, you know, politics, war, uh, you know, job interviews, you know, so forth, so on. So I wanted to somehow not just make a film, but transform, you know, the human consciousness, you know, within a film. So I was always trying to plant a seed, if that's the thing. Totally. I understand on that, man. I'm totally with you on that. Well, you mentioned Man of Steel. I noticed something. I read something. Like when he goes into that uh, the ancient ship on Earth, there's a there's a yeah. pod that's actually a cryogenic pod that's actually open. Do you, do you think that that's her character? And if so, uh, what what, do you, what would you like to see in, a, in another film or the character being brought on the big screen? Well, you know, I I did see that scene and thank you for bringing it up. You know, and it has stirred a lot of. Uh, a lot of news within the fans. They're like, you know, they're they're saying it's Supergirl. Right. And uh, yeah. what's interesting is that um, our executive producer, uh, Danny Saab, who lives in Ottawa, Canada, um, he actually owns uh, the Supergirl homepage dot net. I'm, he interviewed mm-hmm. me one time, and uh, he, I, you know, wanted him on board on the project because he was just so informative. He knew his research and he knew everything about Supergirl. So I asked him, you know, the Man of Steel, you know, and the pod that we saw in the ship that was open. What is that all about? Right. And, uh, you know, he, he told me about this prequel comic book that came out for the Man of Steel that involved Supergirl uh, or Kara Zor-El, uh, Zor-El, um being inside that pod. But before the pod, you know, she had a history on Planet Krypton and all that stuff. And uh, right. when I was informed about that, I was like, huh, that's really interesting. Um, but well, in my I didn't know there was a prequel comic. Yeah, I didn't know either. That's the funny thing. And so the the fact that it wasn't really, like, put out there as much, especially for the general public, I mean, that's the missing element. I think it's very important, you know, because I'm not going to lie, I missed that part. I was like, oh, the pod's open. I didn't think much of it, you know. And um, right. when, when you know, when people people have asked me, like, you know, how does your Girl of Steel film fit into the genre of the Man of Steel? Is that Supergirl pod, uh, your interpretation of what Supergirl was doing in that world. And uh, our answer to that was just, you know, when we made The Girl of Steel, we were very much unaware of that. And uh, mm-hmm. we already had created a story uh, that was very mysterious. You know, a lot of elements we purposely left out because we want the aud- audience to fill in the gap, to fill in the holes. And if we wanted to see something out of, you know, the Man of Steel uh, sequel, the Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice film coming out soon, uh, I think it would be really nice if they have uh, did some research about Kara a little bit, because what we wanted to do with Girl Steel is that, you know, we wanted to inspire Warner Brothers or DC Comics or DC Universe to somehow make it seem like, you know, Supergirl being on Earth isn't just a person just being on Earth. I feel like if I was, a, a, you know, one of the only survivors on Krypton or even of Earth, and then I was on another planet, and I find out one of my cousins is on that planet too, I would be wanting to search for that person rather than just play around and enjoy myself. So I feel like she has this element that should be uh, implemented in the story where she's not only adjusting to the new world of Earth culture, but she's also in the search of reuniting with her cousin. I think that's more of a family-oriented thing and a very passionate yet, you know, emotional experience, you know, because with Kara, you know, she lost her family and, you know, uh, uh, um, Superman also lost his family. I think that when people lose family, it's a very emotional uh, uh, bullet to the heart. And I think in order for that to heal, you got to find what is 
you know, healing to you, if it's truth, if it's, you know, finding your relative, whatever it is, I feel like for Kara, it's to find her truth, to find Superman, and to ground herself that, so that she can do better and do good. Right, I totally agree with you on that, man. Well, there was uh, I'm sure you've seen Smallville was on for ten years. What was your What was your opinion of the introduction of that character in that show? And did you enjoy that show, or what's your opinions on that? Just curious. You know, I actually did enjoy the show because it was focusing on. I mean, this is more about Superman, but I, I like how they focus right. on uh, a younger version of Superman rather than the older Superman. You know. And um, when you per, when you focus on the stories of younger characters, they have much more development that needs to be needed. And it's, in fact, a great thing to have as uh, a series or a television show because there's so much content there, you know, within a young person. Because since they're still developing, there's so many things they want to discover. And so for Supergirl, when uh, Supergirl showed up in the series, you know, she was considered to be, you know, the older cousin of the series rather than like you know, a younger sibling. And so, you know, Superman had to look at Supergirl and be like, oh, wait, you're older than me. And I thought that was really cool. Um, and, you know, it's, it's interesting because Smallville alone was trying to experiment with something. And for the long run that it had, you know, it was generating so much so much great following that I think they were touching on a great subject. You know, like, what was he going through really in Smallville rather than him and Metropolis and doing all these more epic events. So I think if we do the exact same thing with um, Supergirl, where we give her either uh, a television sh- uh, series like Arrow, or you know the new Flash that's coming out on CW, uh, CW. if we right. give Carol that equal amount of respect and exposure, I, I think that it will transform not only cinema, but I think it's going to change the perspective of this story, because you know, Sometimes you don't need to have an like all action in uh, a superhero film. You know, I think what made Man of Steel so great is that, you know, in the beginning of the film, you were starting to know him as a human or as a as a a living being rather than just uh, a heroine. I'm sorry, a superhero. I think if we remind people that, then we're able to um, relate even more to what they were. You know, because we we sometimes compare ourselves, or at least back in the day. I feel like we compare ourselves to superheroes in a way where we're like, okay, this person has laser eyes, they have superhuman strength, and we don't. So where does that fit in us? But we have to show, like, these superheroes can cry, these superheroes can feel, get scratched. These, you know, it's just all these things that I want to remind people of about a superhero is that they're not all born superheroes. They're born just like us. Right. Well, there, you mentioned that new Flash series. I recently got in the Arrow, which is a very cool series, which also touches on a younger version of the uh, character of Oliver Queen. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the, your, your Flash, which is the character of Jake Garrett, is uh, yeah. it, I'm just curious. Like You currently have the new series, the series on television based on that character. How is your mm-hmm. character going to be different from the version of the Flash that's in the new show? I know that... Uh, John Wesley or, or John Schiff is pa- kind of passing the torch from the 90s of that character. And as a follow-up mm-hmm. question, um, what are your thoughts on the new Flash series in general? Do you think you think it's a good way to go for that uh, character? Or? Yeah, you know, uh, I'll, I'll answer the second question first, and I'll answer the first question after the uh, about the new Flash. I actually okay. kind of like it. You know, like 
not going to lie, you know, I think people need to bring back the Flash. You know, like, he's a really cool guy. Um, I think he has a crazy backstory. And also, on a side note, I wish they would somehow revive Aquaman. I don't know why that's so hard to do, but I, I think if you give it to the right writer or director or whatever, I think it'll turn out well. But for the new Flash, right. you know, it's focused more on Barry Allen from what I hear. And um, with the new Flash, you know, after seeing the trailer uh, and the success of Arrow, I think it's very possible that, you know, hmm. the Flash deserves that type of time. They they haven't really given him a movie, so to say, like, you know, really, like, uh, what do you call it, um, like, frequently um, rehashed. It's just right now, I think the pilot or the show itself will have to see how it does because... You know, it seems like the first episode is going to be really awesome. I don't know if it's come out already. I don't actually have television right now. Um, I'm so busy editing. It's so crazy. But uh, with, with that, you know, I, I hope that it does well. I, I think it will do great because, you know, I did not know. I wasn't a big fan of Green Arrow, not going to lie. But when the show came out, boom, it started, like, doing so great. You know, everybody loves him. You know, people go to the Comic-Cons to see him. And uh, so it seems like there's a great you know, thing within that uh, franchise. Um, mm-hmm. With our film, we involved Jay Garrick. So, you know, at the Phoenix Comic Con that happened recently, uh, when we were doing um, poster signing, people kept asking, you know, why Jay Garrick? Why why would you have him and not Barry Allen? How does he fit in? Mm-hmm. And I keep, uh, I, I wanted to tell people that, you know, with Jay Garrick, the reason I wanted Jay Garrick in there is because he was one of the first flashes I was introduced to. You know, he was like, the original guy, and I thought he he had, I mean, not going to lie, he was like part of the original, I'm not sur- sure which age he was, I don't know if it was the Silver Age or whatever that I discovered him, but I love the fact that he was able to sometimes run back into time, go like time travel, and I love that he was always, uh, whenever I heard stories about him, it was always about different dimensions, different uh, types of Earth, you know, uh, Crisis on Infinite Earth and all these different, like, you know, uh, universes. So when I started hearing more about him, I thought, you know, what if I put Flash in there? Not the Barry Allen, but what if I did the Jay Garrick? And so right. I had to tell everybody, you know, he, when Jay Garrick pops up on our film, what is the first thing you think of? And they're like, well, Kara, Supergirl, and Jay Garrick aren't from the same time, so to say. And so I was like, okay, well, that's something for you guys to think about. Like, he's from a different dimension, if you guys want to picture it that way. Or he's from a different type of Earth to Earth, whatever. He's from something different, so why is he there? Um, And this is something that we love to do for fans, is that we love giving them the mystery of having to solve things for themselves. Because people never went up to us and said, why the heck did you have Jay Garrick on there? It was more, why is Jay Garrick on there? Because they were more, they want Jay Garrick. They just don't know how he fits in the puzzle. And as much as I can't give it away, we wanted to somehow mess with the dimensions within different Earths and seeing how they play a big part. Because, you know, the government can hide some things from the general public. They hold secrets. I mean, who knows? Maybe there are aliens on this planet. Maybe we have came into contact with UFOs. They just hold it back. But maybe also, yeah, maybe also that there are different dimensions. Who knows? So we wanted to play with that a little bit more. That's pretty fascinating that you you approach it. I don't think that's been approached in, in that uh, the DC world like that, in like in a series, like you know, like that's pretty cool, man. That's pretty neat. Yeah, I hope that it does well. I, I really do. Um, you know, I I you know, I'm not again, like I'm not a comic book person. 
But when I talk to my executive producers, Mike LeBlanc and Danny Saab, you know, they're always there to remind me, like, hey, this is what's going back in the comic world. Can you mm. experiment with this idea? And I was very open to it, you know. And it's all about working as a team because I feel like nowadays in the cinema world, in Hollywood industry, I don't know if you agree with me on this, but, you know, you have so many people that put their money down on, you know, bigger films that they almost have the control of how the story is going to be told because they think if we tell this type of story, it'll make us more money rather than we should tell this story because it's fun to experiment. And if we don't, you know, change that pattern, then I think mm -hmm. the future generation or the newer generation of filmmakers may become what they are trying to force us to believe rather than following our right. hearts and, you know, doing comics and speaking of comics from the heart and making movies for comics from the heart. Mm. Yeah, I agree with you completely on that, man. Completely. Yeah. Now, pertaining kind of to this topic, for the listeners, you're a participant of GATE, the Global Alliance of Transformational Entertainment. Can you uh, tell everyone about, about GATE and describe what it is exactly, and also what are your reasons for being a part of it? Uh, yeah, actually, the uh, GATE, the Global Alliance of Transformational Entertainment, um, is really interesting. Uh, I first attended that event, uh, I think, three years ago. And um, mm -hmm. I was introduced to that event by my assistant director, also producer. Um, her name is Rihanna Hartley. She's also my lover. We date. We soon to be married. It's amazing. But um, she introduced me to this uh, uh, Global Alliance, and I was just like, what is it? So, you know, the first couple times I volunteered, I really enjoyed it. Basically, what the event is, authors, filmmakers of every kind uh, do like a speakeasy event. It's kind of like a TED Talk in some way. And they just talk about how they can transform entertainment, how can they transform cinema. And their, their main focus is basically like, you know, don't do action films that are based from what's popular, uh, trying to make films that are, you know, um, not just entertainment, but transformative in, in the soul and our human growth and our awareness. Are we making right. films for the right reasons, basically? And so, you know, it's funny, like the, uh, the second event or something like that, uh, you know, I would see, like, celebrities like Steve-O from Jackass. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, Steve-O there? Because um, <laughs> that guy's crazy, you know? Like, And um, another day, I volunteered. I saw Captain America walking, Chris Evans. And I was like, Chris Evans, Jesus. Like, that guy's tall. And so I keep seeing these amazing faces walking. And I started realizing, like, okay, I'm not the only person that believes in this. There are Many there were a lot of people there, a lot of great celebrity heads. I never expected to be there, but because wow. I saw that, I realized like we're not alone. You know, we're not yeah. alone in this this way of attempting to change Hollywood. And yeah. I be I become such a great member of the event uh, that it's transformed the way I made films. Um, I used to be very very superficial, very egotistical, yeah. very. Uh, and I, I'm willing to admit that because I don't, you know, if, if I acknowledge it, which I think is the biggest key in the, into growth and humankind, that we acknowledge things that we're willing to grow from that rather than ignoring it and just not starting anywhere and just always becoming the same person. But with changing my films from being superficial to transformative was a huge shift for me, and it changed a lot in my health and a lot in my personality that, you know, I used to make films where I had women in it to please other men by having beautiful, sexy women in it. 
Now I'm having women in it that aren't sexy, but instead they are more challenged intellectually. And it's amazing how much people acknowledge that rather than the superficial route. And I think people want that. I think people want to see something better than just bras, panties, and punching and moaning. But they rather see or hear a woman speak about uh, changing the world or, you know, what are we lying to ourselves, uh, ourselves about? And I feel like human beings want to be exploited for those reasons. They want the truth to come out. They want to know who they really are. I think women are very truthful to that uh, point of view. I think they'll uh, make us realize, like, man, like, men have done some stuff, but it doesn't mean that we have to hate ourselves, but we can change ourselves and forgive ourselves. That's what I love about women. They're amazing. Very cool. Very cool, man. Now, pertaining to another topic, just real quickly, you're also in the pre-production phase of creating the, uh, it's a brand new live action version of the acclaimed animation, which is a sci-fi adventure series, which I believe originally aired in the 60s, it's uh, it's called Johnny Quest. Can you tell us a little bit about that project and what made you want to do a film Uh based on that particular show? Oh, man, I love that you're talking about Johnny Quest, dude. I, I loved Johnny Quest, man. I think a lot of people love Johnny Quest. I don't know why people don't talk about it. See, this is what I like to do. I like to make a film about somebody that's been forgotten. Because Johnny Quest was a great animated film that I saw on, like, Tsunami, on um, Boomerang. Oh, yeah. And, um, dude, those were classics, man. I was, like, in high school at the time just watching these episodes, and I watch it every day after I get back from school. But... It was it was the the fact that it was a family and Johnny was always going through different scenarios and Zen was mm-hmm. like ah oh, the, the villain everything was amazing but you know the thing is it was always kept as an animated uh, series and right. you know uh, I remember recently in I think 2009 recently they mm-hmm. were trying to bring it back and they thought of having Zac Efron playing Johnny and. Um, mm-hmm. For some reason, they they were interested in having The Rock uh, be a part of the film. Oh, I wasn't. Wow. I just I don't know like what The Rock would be like. He doesn't seem like you know Mister. He doesn't seem like Doctor Quest. He doesn't seem like race. He doesn't seem like he'd be any of those people, you know. Um, right. But maybe maybe like you know The Rock seems to be in almost every single film that there is in terms of family friendly action. So I thought okay maybe. But when I heard that, I was just like you know no way like. There's, there's got to be a better way that we can uh, cast a Johnny Quest. And the funny thing is the first person I hit up was Damien Walters, who's this parkour guy. And I haven't heard back from him, but he was one of the first people that ideally wanted to play the role. I don't know if he's a good actor. You know, I just know that he's great at stunts. But that when I was attempting to hit him up, I started to realize who I was wanting to cast as the role. You know, I wanted to cast a young man who just wasn't, like, you know, physically, you know, able to do stunts, but, you know, acting-wise and story-wise had adventure in him. Like, kind of like the Goonies, you know? Like, the Goonie kids had adventure in them. I would would cast those kids as Johnny Quest because that's how fun it was, you know? The mystery element, Mm the discovery. And I wanted to bring that back. And because of the success of Girl of Steel, I now know that it is possible to bring back things that were forgotten, like treasure, and make people realize that, they're, like, you know, gold doesn't have to be the new prize, but maybe something else is worth more than gold. You know, maybe it's something hidden within the treasure, 
And it's the idea, you know, it is the intention. And as long as we remind people that, that's what will remind all of us that, you know, that we're willing to challenge ourselves, uh, ask ourselves what we believe in, what are we willing to die for, for what we believe in, and uh, what we're willing to fight for. Right, totally, man. I agree with you on that. Totally. Johnny, you mentioned the Johnny Quest series in the 90s on Tsunami. Now, there was one thing that that set it a bit apart from the original one from the 60s. It's Quest World. It's known as Quest World was incorporated. I was just curious to know you might go about how would you go about that, and is it going to be incorporated in the new series you're producing? Um, You know, I... That's that's difficult. You know, I'm not really familiar with uh, the new Quest World. I'm you know, basically, I was trying to stick with the 60s. You know, I'm trying to stick with the right. original version. Um, because, you know, when the new, when the new, uh, there was like uh, the real adventures of Johnny Quest and then the new adventures mm-hmm. of Johnny Quest, and our film is just the adventures of Johnny Quest. And mm-hmm. I feel like the, the difference was not in, just in terms of animation, but they also, one of the newer ones, they casted a girl in it. And, uh, right. you know, I really want to stick to uh, making sure that if we do make this film, that it's going to be completely different from the animated series, that we may make Johnny Quest more of a, a, a young James Bond, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. Because I feel like he's such an intelligent kid, he's such a he's such an agent-qualified person, that I think that if we just completely recreate a character, just like what we did with Supergirl, instead of giving Supergirl a uniform... We give her a hoodie. We give it a transformative feeling. If we do the exact same thing for Johnny Quest, not base it off of, you know, too much off of every single point in the animated series, I think that's maybe what people want, but also what will piss them off. And that's what I kind of like about remaking a film that I want to do with the team is that we are always willing to do something completely different as long as we keep the elements in there, like the really important ones, you know, family, characters, uh, origin stories maybe, uh, but, you know, in terms of, like, Johnny Quest's black sweater, his turtleneck sweater, I think we changed that, you know? I think it'd be nice to make sure that Haji uh, doesn't have, like, a turban on his head or whatever, you know? Maybe give him something different. Um, mm. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting, man. Like, uh, it's, it's like we're so in the pre-production aspect that it's right. such a mystery to us, and I think that's what I like about it, is that you, I don't even know what's going to happen. Well, I can't wait for that, man. We've got a little bit of time left. Um, I have a quick, few more quick questions. Now, you recently yeah. won an award for your movie, uh, Girl of Steel. Can you tell us about the award you won and uh, real quick and also uh, to the fans' response to the movie upon viewing it for the first time? Yeah, actually, I'd love to talk about that. It was actually, you know, it's funny. I've been talking about that experience to a couple of my friends, and I'm glad that I get to be able to talk to you about it, and especially the fans that are listening right now. Um, mm-hmm. With Phoenix Comic Con Film Festival, they were so awesome. You know, they were amazing. They were so organized. Jacob uh, O'Neill, who's the film festival coordinator, he was amazing. But how it went was our film started off the block. And mm-hmm. it was a privilege to have the honor. And um, people started walking. Like, I was inside the room right when it started. And I wasn't sure how many people were going to show up. And when I look around the room, the room is packed. It's filled with people. And I was just like in awe. It's so much that my blood started rushing. I was nervous. I was like, oh shit, like there are all these people that have expectations probably or I don't know. I don't know what to expect. 
the film plays and, you know, the disclaimer of the film pops up, you know, saying, hey, this is a fan film, blah, 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 blah. People started getting hyped, like, woo, started clapping, and I was like, what? Um, and apparently, I guess they just knew about it based on, like, you know, the word of mouth or, you know, advertising online or who knows. The film plays, you know, and the, the, the everybody's quiet. You know, I don't know what to think. I, I'm just like, oh, my God, they're, they're quiet. Do they like it? I don't know. And for me as a director, I was building so many different thoughts inside my head, like a crazy person. By the end of, like, you know, once the fight scene came up, people were like, ooh, ah, you know, they were entertained by it. And then mm-hmm. in the end, at the very end, the credits roll. I don't hear anybody cheering. I'm like, oh, oh my God, I, they don't like it. Oh, this is a terrible film. Why'd I do this? And then the lights turn on during the credits, and everybody starts cheering, like, woo, yeah! And they're like, I was like, oh, my gosh, like, they liked it? And I was so, like, sick from the ups and downs of my uh, assumptions that I was getting dizzy because my blood was rushing. I was thrilled, and then I was, like, in shock. And then um, they, they made the announcement. They're like, and ladies and gentlemen, we're, uh, the director is going to be signing posters along with his cast and crew outside. Uh, feel free to make a line. So everybody in the room, about half the people in the room, get up off their chairs, leave the room, and I'm in the room. I'm like, oh, sh- uh, wait, they called my name. I'm supposed to be out there. So I leave, I run through the, 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 I get out of the chair, I run through the hallway, and I march myself in the, uh, at the table where we're doing the signing. And we were still unorganized. You know, the posters were still in the wrappers, and, you know, the markers were still in the box. And so I had to get that all ready. And it was great. Like, they had, they had to form a line because it was so crazy, the amount of people that was so unorganized. Uh, they just had to, like, make a line across the room. And I never met so many people that, kept telling me so many compliments. Like, this is one of the best screens I've had my whole life. And they kept saying, like, I loved it, I loved it. I want more, I want more. When can we see more? And Jay Garrick was awesome. What's that all about? And, like, I love how you worked Supergirl and brought her back from the dead. And I was, like, you know, I, I was so astounded by the reaction. But I was more pleased, not because they liked the song, but because they liked the they liked the message in the film, which was right. bringing awareness and consciousness and awakening the human intellect to make sure that we are here to discover our truth. You know, we're here mm-hmm. to, you know, go on this journey of finding out what's right and what's wrong within ourselves. Because you know, in the end, when we live our lives uh, that you know the universe or God or whatever we all believe in has given us, we have a we ultimately have the choice to make decisions. Are we going to choose to love? Are we going to choose to have war? Are we going to choose to be friendly? Are we going to choose to be grateful? You know? Right. And um, we planted so many seeds within a movie that I don't think people even know. But, you know, some of those things were like, you know, bringing awareness around Fukushima, the explosion that happened in Japan. Another one was, you know, are we going to allow women to discover their truth? Another one was like, you know, uh, do we, can we trust the government? You know, there's so many things. And, they didn't know about it, and I think that's what they liked. So it was a great experience overall, and uh, Phoenix Comic Con was just the first. You know, we got uh, Denver Comic Con, Boston Comic Con, Superman Celebration uh, Film Festival. We got Montreal Comic Con that just was announced recently. Um, there's so many different screenings happening, and we're posting it all on the website. And, um, nice. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a crazy year, man, crazy year. Well, speaking of website links, uh, do you have any information real quick that you would like to give out to the listeners to find out more about the projects you're involved in and stuff? 
Yeah, um, basically, okay, so all the fans out there, if you guys are listening, uh, if you want to stay up to date with, like, screenings, free posters that are going to be coming out, which we'll be mailing out to uh, winners, whoever they are to be selected, um, all those updates uh, are going to be on our website on uh, facebook.com slash girlofsteelfanfilm. No spaces, no capitals, basically. It's just facebook.com slash girlofsteelfanfilm. And um, another plug-in, uh, i like to give a shout-out for uh, supergirlhomepage.net. Uh, that's run by our uh, executive producer, Danny Saab. Um, he has been a great supporter of the Supergirl franchise, and also he knows his homework. He does his stuff, and he's one of the uh, really important elements in our crew. Um, and a last shout-out is to Mike LeBlanc, who is my best friend uh, for almost uh, more than 10 years, big supporter of my films. He's amazing. Uh, I love him to death. He lives in Michigan right now. Hope to see him soon. And the uh, last one is uh, my lover, my best friend, uh, Rihanna Harley. She is my assistant director, producer of most of my films, and a huge supporter of the vision that I've created for Girl Steel. And she's also one of the key elements that have allowed me to portray women in the right light. Without her, I don't think Girl Steel would be as great as it is in terms of the message. Without Danny and Mike, I don't think this film would ever be made. So thank you to the, uh, those guys, and thank you to everybody that supported us. And thank you to Owen and the SciFiction.com uh, website for hosting this. Um, it's been a real pleasure uh, talking to you guys, and um, yeah, uh, thank you for the opportunity. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on the show, man. It's fantastic having you on the show. Well, I enjoyed discussing your movies, buddy, and um, take care, my friend, and you have a good day, man. All right, thanks, buddy. Take care of yourself, and thank you, everybody. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye.